Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Luke chapter 7, uh, beginning in verse 11. It says this. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. It says, then he went up and he touched the beer and they were, that they were carrying him on. And the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. How good is that? Right there. Verse 16, it says, they were all filled with all and they praised God. And they said, a great prophet has appeared among among us. God has come to help his people. It says, this news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Out of those verses right there today, I want to look at this story about Jesus raising up the widow's son. Maybe you've heard this story before. I'm going to try to unpack it as we talk about living again. If you're taking down notes, I want you to write this down. Today, I want to talk to you out of the subject, hope found me hope found me amen i love this story let's look at what jesus does every time he is up against a circumstance like this i love it that phil prayed over what happened in our city this past week and i think as a church we should always be the first to pray as a church we should always be the first to respond and let's continue to pray in any way that we can help we are here to serve our community and our city and again some things like phil said we don't understand but we know that god is sovereign and all we can do is know that one day god is going to make all things new and uh, we're praying right now. Come on, why don't we close our eyes, bow our head, and let's ask Jesus to help us this morning. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you, God, for your goodness, for your mercy, for your grace. God, we thank you that you are an awesome God and a good God, even when we don't understand. Right now, we lift up all of those families affected by this tragedy. God, we pray that your spirit would comfort them. We pray that a blanket of grace would just cover them right now, God. As questions and doubts and fears and anger, God, probably. But I believe that your grace is enough and your grace is sufficient. And God, I believe that out of the things that we don't understand, you have a plan and a purpose beyond the pain that we feel. And God, we're trusting you. And I pray that eyes would be lifted and heads would be lifted to see you. God, we thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the 9 a.m. this morning. I thank you for this 11 a.m. service. I thank you for the 1 p.m. And I thank you for the 7 p.m. tonight in our city campus. Thank you for what you're doing in this family, in this community, God. And today we're believing for healing. Today we're believing for hope. Today we're believing that, God, you will restore and turn things around. You are a good God. And thank you for loving us. And through you, we are the head and not the tail. We're on top and not beneath. We love you, Jesus. We give you all the glory and all the honor. And all of God's people say, Amen. Oh, come on, all of us together in additional seating. All of God's people say, Amen. Come on, can you give God a big shout of praise one more time? Come on. Have you ever felt despair? 
Have you ever felt despair? The, the dictionary definition of despair is to be uh, completely hopeless, right? An utter loss of hope. You have no hope in your life, right? You're just like, oh my God, there, there's no way I can do something about a circumstance or a situation. Has anybody here ever felt despaired about something? Right? I think we all have. Uh, in life, there's different moments where we're going to feel despair, whether it's a small thing or a big thing. I remember uh, when I was in college, a few of us from church decided let's all get together and play a football game. And we all went out to a park. And the team that we were up against, we had been uh, talking to each other for the past month saying, oh, we're going to beat you and you're going to beat us. And when we ended up at the park, uh, the team that we were up against, they actually brought professional college football players to the can I tell you, we felt despair before the game even started. Like, we were despair. Like, there is no way we're winning this game. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's no way I'm fixing this situation. And not even to mention, they beat us. They didn't even let us score one time. Like, it was just done, and uh, they just completely ruined the game for us, right? I I've shared the story of when I broke my mom's vase, and I saw it broken into a million pieces, and I felt despaired, knowing that my mom had a chancleta and a belt waiting for me, right? And just like, there's no way I'm fixing this. You know, in times, at times in life, we are going to feel like if all things are broken beyond repair and all hope is lost. There's going to be moments in life where we are going to feel that all is gone. Everything's broken. This is beyond repair and all hope is lost because things are, are broken. There's no way of fixing this. We see a broken circumstance or a broken situation and we say there's no way that this is going to get fixed, right? Be careful that we don't say something is broken beyond repair when God is saying it's actually good and ready to use. We need to be careful what we say about broken things because humanity, you and I, we usually throw broken things away. But we serve a God that he never throws anything away. He actually uses everything, even the things that seem the least likely, right? Is the God we serve. I wonder if today you're feeling like you have an area of your life or a circumstance in your life that is broken. I think all of us have been there, right? At one point or another, some of us, we've been in a broken relationship. And the relationship just ended in a bad way. Maybe a broken marriage today. And you're just like, Alex, I've been praying for this marriage for the past five, ten years. This thing is, is broken, right? Some of us have broken heart because of some of the things that have happened in life, tragedies and grief. And we're saying, Alex, I, I, I feel like I can't keep going forward. I have a broken heart. Anybody ever experienced that? Maybe broken finances, a broken home. And you're saying, Alex, it looks like everything is broken. And because it's broken, we think that it's beyond repair. We say this thing is broken and there's never, this thing is never going to be put back together. This thing is never going to be fixed, right? We look at our marriage and you're like, Alex, if you knew my husband, I don't know anybody with a head as hard as his, right? This thing is never going to be repaired. Don't point at your husband. Don't elbow him right now. You take it for you, right? This thing is, it's never been, my, my kids, my, my home life, my, my heart, this thing is broken beyond repair. I got good news for you, and if anything, I want you to leave with this today, that all is not broken, and it's not broken beyond repair, because hope is not lost. Hope is here. His name is Jesus. He's coming to make all things new. I want to tell you today, nothing is broken beyond repair, because hope is never lost. Hope is here. His name is Jesus. He makes all things new. Does anybody believe that this morning? Come on. 
In Luke chapter 7, we see one of these stories. This is Jesus, and, and Jesus is just walking, doing his everyday life. And I love it that for the next few weeks, we're looking at, at Jesus and his interactions. Next week, I'm excited. We're going to look at Jesus and Lazarus, his best friend that has passed away. But in this one, Jesus had just actually finished doing some ministry, right? If you read Luke chapter 7, there is a centurion or a guy high in authority who had men under him. And one of his servants uh, had just just gotten really really sick and he sends some of his guys to go tell Jesus Jesus can you come to the centurion's house so that he may be made well and Jesus is on his way but soon the centurion sends more guys and says hey tell Jesus don't even bother coming to the house if you just say the words my man is going to be healed Amen. and Jesus the Bible says is just blown away and blessed by this man's faith and he says, my God, this man's faith is incredible. And Jesus just speaks it. And by his words, the servant is healed. How many know that Jesus has power in his words? I'm talking about, I don't know if you came this morning just to listen to anybody. More than anything, I can say, I want you to hear the words of Jesus because the words of Jesus have life, they have hope, they have feeling. I don't know about you, but I want more of Jesus' words in my life. I don't just want to hear another preaching. I just don't want to sing another song. I want the words of Jesus that can heal, that can save, and that can deliver. And his words have power, and this is so powerful because Jesus just says that the man is going to be healed. And by the time they get home, the man is healed. Today, if you lean in, I don't know how you came in, but if you lean in and you listen to what he's saying, I believe he can turn your life around. There's power in his words. And so Jesus, he leaves Capernaum where the centurion servant was just healed. And the Bible says that he goes down to this small city or to this small town called Nain. Now, Nain is a very small city. It's more like a little town. And this is where Jesus is going. Now, I want you to understand this. The, the, the name Nain, it actually means beauty or lovely, right? Beauty or lovely. That's Nain. Why they said that Nain is absolutely beautiful. In fact, it still exists to this day. It's a small little town. It's on a hillside and it overlooks a valley. It's Nain. That's where Nain is. It's still there today. You can go to Nain. And they said that the views are, are beautiful. And so they called it Nain. It means beauty or lovely. Right? You can look at your neighbor today and say, you are Nain, right? Beautiful. And babe, this morning, Nain, you are beautiful and lovely. All things lovely. Girl, you are so beautiful. My Colombian queen, Nain. <laughs> Beauty and lovely, right? This is Nain. But today, in the story that we're looking at, we're looking at Nain, and we see that what's happening in Nain is actually not beautiful and is actually not lovely. There, there's a a lady, there's this woman who is a widow, meaning she's already lost her husband. Her husband's gone. Now, now you have to understand, let's put ourselves in a circumstance, in a situation. Back then, in this culture, if you lost your husband, you already had very little chance to survive. Because a woman was considered less than back then, right? And so when the husband dies, he's a financial provider, he's a strength, he's a pillar of the family. This lady has barely, almost already lost it all. She's a widow. Her husband has passed away. I mean, that alone is tough to deal with, right? And now her son, the one who she was hoping was going to be the next financial provider, the one who was going to become the man of the family, now we find out he, he's dead too. Like, this thing just, it's just bad. Like, this is a difficult scene to watch. Here there's this widow who now also loses, the Bible says, her only son. In other words, the little bit of hope that she had left 
is now completely gone. This is a tough scene to see. This is not beautiful. This is not lovely. This is not Nain. What's happening in Nain is completely the opposite. Isn't that a lot of times how life is, right? Life is supposed to be lovely and beautiful. And it's funny because some of us will be in Nain and we'll be experiencing beautiful and lovely. But there's some people in this room that you are not in Nain. You're actually experiencing heartbreak, pain, and tragedy. Some of us are in Nain. Some of us are saying, Alex, life, it is not lovely. It is not beautiful. Life, it's not tough. I see some people with smiles. I see some people with awesome marriages. I see some people with great lives. But my life today is pain, it's tragedy, it's grief. And a lot of us could relate to this woman. And the Bible says that she was leaving the town of Nain. She was leaving the city because they would bury the dead outside of the city walls, not inside the city. And the Bible says that Jesus is on his way to Nain. He is on his way. Now, now remember, this is not supposed to, like, you don't really go down to Nain. Remember, it's a very small city. As far as we know, nobody's called Jesus to go down to Nain. But I love it that we have a God that's not afraid to step into pain, that's not afraid to step into tragedy. It's an unexpected visit from Jesus. It's in our unexpected pain that usually we have unexpected miracles from Jesus. Maybe today you're saying, Alex, I didn't expect life to go this way. I didn't think I was going to be at this age, this season, this stage of my life with this pain and this tragedy. But I want to tell you, in our unexpected places is where God shows up and he does unexpected miracles. Jesus, he's not afraid to go down to Nain. And he has a purpose as he's going down to Nain. It's an unexpected visit. We see now that there's two crowds And there are two very distinct crowds that are about to collide, right? We see one crowd that's with Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says that at points he had hundreds or sometimes thousands of followers. Like this is a a big crew following Jesus, his disciples and then his inner disciples, his outer disciples, and then just a bunch of people that wanted to be around Jesus. And they're all headed down to Nain. Now, this is a fun crowd. They've just seen Jesus do miracles. Imagine the crowd all talking. They're like, did you see what he just did? He just said a word and the man was healed. Did you? see that demon possessed man all of a sudden all cleaned up that's amazing i love jesus they're all eating pita chips and hummus they're celebrating music is playing they're singing motion they're like jesus what's he gonna do next oh my god jesus is the man oh my god i love being around jesus jesus can i be your disciples and they're all gathered there and step with your motion hey 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 they're all going into name and this is a fun crowd this is an excited crowd this is a crowd that has some faith right this is a crowd that usually we all want to be a part of Right, be as close to Jesus and celebrate Jesus. But on the other side of town, right inside of Nain, coming outside of Nain, there's this crowd that looks completely different. This crowd is the widow's crowd. This crowd is completely heartbroken. This, this crowd is, is actually not full of celebrating and joyful songs. They're actually heartbroken, full of grief and tears. Right, this is a widow who just lost her only hope. Like, like I want you to get in the scene and I want you to picture this because we can read this quickly, but I want you to get it. If we get in the picture, you'll realize what Jesus wants to do in our lives today. Like this, this lady has lost her husband and now loses her son. Like I can imagine she has probably no strength in her body. Like she's probably having to be carried out with the casket. She, she's probably weak in the knees. She, she, she can't believe what's going on in life. And there's, the Bible says, a large crowd with her. The community is trying to help her and trying to gather around her. Who's carrying 
the, the coffin, we don't know. It has to be people that just came to help out because she has nothing left. This is a sad crowd. This is a crowd full of pain. Have you ever been in a crowd full of pain? I actually think it's where we need to be. It's where the church needs to show up. And this crowd is on its way out of the city while Jesus and his crowd is on his way in the city. And what's about to happen is that there's about to be a collision of two crowds. One crowd is about to collide with another crowd. One crowd full of life, another crowd full of death. One crowd full of light, another crowd full of darkness. Two kingdoms are about to collide. And I just heard, and I love what I just heard, that anytime you have a collision with Jesus, things are never going to be the same again. Here we have, in this crowd, we have one son that is dead, but he's destined to live. And we have another son that's alive, but he's destined to die for humanity. And they're about to collide together. And the Bible says that Jesus, as this crowd now is crossing paths, that Jesus looks at the woman. And the Bible says that he's moved with compassion and his heart goes out to her. I love that we have a Jesus that's not afraid of pain, but he goes to pain. If you want to live again in 2018, the first thing you need to understand is that your inability does not restrain God's ability. Our inability does not restrain God's ability. The Bible says that Jesus, he was moved with compassion. Now, now I want you to understand compassion. I'm going to try to define compassion for you. It's hard to find a true definition of compassion because this is a word they actually made up to describe a feeling in your body, right? Like compassion is not pity, right? Like some of us, we felt pity sometimes, right? Like we look at a situation and we're like, oh, I feel so sorry for them, right? We feel pity. Like, for example, I look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I'm like, I feel so sorry. LeBron's going to come back to Miami, you know? Like, I just feel pity. Anybody know what it's about? Like, I just feel pity. You look at a situation like, ah, mm, I just feel so bad, right? That's not compassion. That's not compassion. Compassion is looking at a situation, feeling so deeply moved on the inside that it causes you to move on the outside. In other words, compassion literally means a pain in your gut. As some would say, in your bowel movements. Like deep down inside you feel so hurt and you feel the pain of what's happening on the inside that it causes you to step outside. It, steps, it causes you to step outside and do something about the circumstance and situation that you're seeing. I wonder how many of us have compassion today when we look around our city. Right. Like I, I read this and I'm like, my God, like, do I have compassion when I look at the streets of Miami or do I just have pity? Can we be honest this morning? Because I think a lot of times what we have is a whole lot of pity. Right. Like we look at, a, at the streets, we look at the homeless or we look at people that are lost or we look at the, sometimes people that are sick. And we're like, oh, man, I just feel sorry. But can I tell you, God doesn't want us to feel sorry. God wants us to move on the outside. And he's calling a church to stand up and say, you know what? I'm moved with compassion. I'm moved so much on the inside. I want my heart to break for what breaks the heart of God. And I want to move the same way that the hand of God moves. Like, uh, do we look around our city and do we have compassion for those that are desperate, for those that are homeless, for those that are sick? So much so that it causes us to say, you know what? We're going to be a church that serves. We're going to be a church that helps. We're going to be a church that doesn't just have pity, but we have compassion. Right? 
Do we gather these Easter flyers and just say, oh, yeah, I'll see if I have pity on somebody and I might get. Or do we say, I have compassion. Give me more flyers. In fact, can you give me 10,000 just for me? Because I'm going to go to the lost. I'm going to the broken. I'm not just moved on the inside. I have to move on the outside. This is why we do what we do. Do we look at human trafficking and say, man, human trafficking, I just feel bad. Or we moved on the inside that it causes us to move on the outside. We decided as a church, we're going to do embrace. We're not just going to say something about it. We're going to do something about it. Look what Charles Spurgeon says about compassion. I love what he says. Charles Spurgeon says, have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you're not saved yourself. Be sure of that. Whoa, Mr. Spurgeon, thank you for that uh, just deep heart quote so you, you you have no wish for others to be saved jesus just didn't look at us and have pity on us he had compassion on us like jesus saw multiple times the bible says that jesus had compassion on the masses on the people jesus cares jesus cries when we cry today maybe you've cried yourself to sleep and you say alex nobody cares god's not there can i tell you that when you cry god's crying we have a god that cares for the pain of humanity and we, don't only, we, we not only have a God that cares, we have a God that moves our way. Me and Diana, we, we have a, a small little dog, right? Her, her name's Nikki. It's a little small dog. And, and I actually say she looks like a little rat, right? She looks like a little rat. And uh, especially when we bathe her and she's all wet, it looks like she's just like a little, little thing of bones right there, right? Nikki, it's our little dog. Any dog lovers in here? I love dogs. It's my favorite. It's a godly church, no cats. And um, it's a little dog. And... Nikki, when we first got married, she, she was very young and almost like a little puppy. It was maybe like a year, two years, three years old. And she would run all over the place, jump on our bed and jump on the couches. And you couldn't hold her back. But, but Nikki's now, what, 11 years old? 11 years old. And dog years, that's like 77, they say. Advanced in age, right? And so she doesn't have the strength that she used to. And she's not as active as she used to be. And so we've noticed actually over the last several months that now we'll sit down on the couch, maybe watch some TV or something, and she doesn't jump on the couch no more. She just sits right next to the couch and looks up at us, and her little tail just wagging, just staring at us, and, come on, Nikki, get, get on the couch. Come on, little rat, get on the couch. <laughs> and Nikki, like, she's just like, I'm like, Nikki, what? But she wants to, and she starts crying and, and whimpering like a little dog and just looking at us, and I'm like, Nikki, get up, <laughs> right? Like, what's wrong with you? And lately we just noticed she doesn't even want to jump anymore, but probably because she can't. She's advanced in age. And so we have to go carry her and put her on the couch or put her on the bed. Can I tell you that a lot of us, this is like how we are. We can't move. In fact, we couldn't move to God, but we have a God that looked at our condition and he says, I'm not just telling you to come. I'm not just telling you to get up here. I'm a God that goes down to humanity. Come on, we have a God that loves us, that loves our city, that he doesn't just stay where he is, but he actually moves and he comes down and he picks us up and puts us where we belong. This is the God that we have. Because a lot of us, we think that we can do it on our own, but the Bible says that we were dead in our condition. You know what dead people can do? Nothing. Dead people can do nothing. And the Bible says that all of us, away from God, we are dead. Look what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature. It was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of your sins. 
A lot of us, we think that Jesus was just a good teacher. He was just a good moral guy. He was just a good prophet. But can I tell you, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. Come on, we were dead in our sin. But Jesus in his compassion, he moves. Our inability does not stop his ability. Regardless of what we could or couldn't do. God comes down to humanity. The Bible says that his heart goes out to her. He has compassion. Her. He starts walking her way. And he tells her, don't cry. Don't cry. Now, I don't know about you, but you don't tell somebody, don't cry. The only one who can tell somebody, don't cry, is Jesus. Because if you want to live again, the second thing that we need to understand is that our impossibility is just another chance for a God opportunity. Jesus goes up to her and he says, don't cry. Like, this is normal to cry. She just lost her baby boy. She's already lost her husband. Now she, she lost her son. It's normal to be crying. Like, I understand if you were crying for no reason. Some of you have kids, and you know what I'm talking about, when they cry for no reason. When we used to cry when we were little at home and we used to cry for no reason, our parents would say, you want to cry? I'll give you a reason to cry right now. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Say, no, mom, I'm not crying anymore. I'm actually really good. But this lady's lost it all. Like, it's normal to cry. How is Jesus going to say don't cry? The only way that Jesus can say don't cry is because he's the only one that can provide an answer for her tears. In fact, what he's saying is not offensive in the original translation. Basically, what he's saying is don't cry because I am hope and I'm here to help you. Wow. Hope is not lost. All things are not broken beyond repair. Hope is now in the picture hope has now stepped in today maybe you're saying Alex my my life my circumstance it is broken beyond repair I want to tell you hope is on the way he comes to make all things new and he says don't cry hope is here hope is not lost hope has found you Amen. it wasn't that she was looking for Jesus it's that he came looking for her so many people say, well, I found Jesus back in 1973, or I found Jesus back in 2011. I want to tell you, none of us found God. He was never lost, will never be lost, but he found us when we were dead and lost in our sins. And he comes, and he's about to make an impossibility turn into a miracle. Because this is the God that we serve. Look what he says in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. He says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are are possible. God, but this is impossible. How are you going to turn this around? How are you going to turn this circumstance around? He says, well, with man it's impossible, but with God, all things are, are possible. Our greatest impossibilities are usually God's greatest opportunities, where he does the greatest miracles. And the Bible says that he comes, and he starts walking toward the widow. He tells her, don't cry. And then the Bible says that he touches the beer or the stretcher. In these times, it wasn't even a coffin. Especially this widow who probably had very little money. This was just literally a wooden frame where they would lay the body on before it started decomposing. And the Bible says that Jesus goes up to it and he touches it. Now you have to understand this. The Bible is so detailed. I love the Bible. The Bible is so detailed. It makes sure to notice. It makes sure to tell us that he touches the beer. He touches the frame. Why? Because in, these, in, the, in this culture, in this custom, because of the Mosaic law, you couldn't get close to a dead person. In fact, if you were a Hebrew man, you couldn't get that close, and you certainly didn't touch it. Because if you touched a dead corpse, the Bible says that you would become unclean. A dead body meant that it was unclean, so you became unclean. And I love it that the Bible says he touches the coffin. 
In fact, in, in last week's story, he touches Jairus' daughter by holding her hand and telling her to get up. In fact, when he was walking through the crowd, it was the lady with the issue of blood that came up to Jesus and touches him. Because in Jesus' way, everything is reversed. It's not that the unclean makes the clean unclean. In fact, it's that the clean just makes everything clean. Today, your brokenness, today, your sin, it's not going to scare God. It's not going to make him run away. He's the God of hope. He's the God that restores everything. He's the God that makes all things new. But I'm too broken. I'm too hurt. I'm too messed up. Listen, it's not going to do damage to him. In fact, he comes to make you clean. We serve a God of miracles. The last and final thing I want you to know, that it's actually your brokenness is what God uses to make beauty. Alex, this is broken. Alex, this is dead. Alex, this is a tough circumstance. Your brokenness is actually everything God uses to make beauty. The Bible says that he tells the young man, get up come back to life like Jesus has some power in his words the man sits up the young man just sits up like imagine that scene you don't know if to begin to praise God or run for your life like this is crazy Jesus brings him back to life and the Bible says that he restores him back to his mother we have a God that can restore any I love how he presented him back to his mom in other words all is not lost hope is not gone hope is Jesus he comes to make all things new he didn't just fix or help this circumstance he made it brand new he says mother have your son he made this circumstance completely brand. we have a God that makes all things new look what the Bible says and the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 he says therefore if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come the old is gone we have a God that makes all things new and maybe you're saying Alex but my circumstance not new and it looks like this is impossible can I tell you that what Jesus did with the widow's son is just a preview of what he's gonna do at the end of time the Bible says that the same way that he raised the widow the widow's son back to life is the same way that he's going to raise us all once again back to life. And he's going to make all things new. Revelation chapter 21. We'll finish with this. Revelation chapter 21. It says that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. It says there'll be no more death. There'll be no more mourning. There'll be no more crying or no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down. For these words, they are trustworthy and they are true. Can I tell you, we have a God that makes all things new. He's bringing life to your marriage. He's bringing life to your heart. He's bringing life to your circumstance. Come on, this is the God that we serve. He can make it all new. Hope is here. Hope has come and hope has found us. Come on.
Come on, with every eye closed, every head bowed. Maybe there's people here, people in the additional seating, listening online or on the radio. And you say, Alex, I'm far from God. I don't know God. In fact, I, I've done some things that it just looks like my life is dead. I've gone down the wrong path. I've made bad choices. I'm at a loss of hope. I'm in despair. I don't even know if God loves me or wants anything to do with me. Today, I want to tell you God loves you and he wants everything to do with you. Hope is not lost. Hope is here. And hope is found you. Doesn't matter what you've done. With every eye closed and every head bowed for privacy and concentration. If you're here today, you say, Alex, that's me. I'm far from God, but today I want a brand new beginning. Today, if you're here, you say, Alex, I want forgiveness of my sin. All of us need it. The Bible says that all of us are sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We've all fallen short of God's standard. There's not one perfect person in this place. And the Bible says that God, he can't be with sin. Sin separates us from God. But that God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son. The Bible says that Jesus came and he grabbed all of my sin, your sin, all of our flaws, all of our guilt, all of our shame. And the Bible says that Jesus, he carried the sins of the world on his shoulders. The Bible says he went up to a cross and on that cross he paid the penalty for our sin. On that cross is where Jesus... He died for my sin and he died for your sin. The Bible says that he died there on that cross. He went down to a grave and he was buried for three days. But after three days, sin and death could not defeat him and could not hold him down. The Bible says that Jesus, he resurrected. He doesn't just bring things to life. The Bible says he is alive. You can't kill him. He's conquered death. He's conquered sin. I believe that Jesus is here today. And as the whole church is praying, come on, with eyes closed and head bowed. If you're on Dream Team, I want you to pray. Come on, if, you, if you're a part of any team, I want you to pray. It's an important moment in service. Whether you're here or in additional seating, if you're here today and you say, Alex, I need forgiveness of my sin today. Alex, today I need a brand new start. Today I need a brand new beginning. Today I want that hope. Today I want that brand new start in my life. I got good news. He wants to give it to you. He's waiting with arms open wide. I'm going to count to three. And I believe that when I count to three, hands are going to go up all over this auditorium, all over the additional seating. And if you say, Alex, today I want forgiveness of my sin. When I count to three, I want you to raise it up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I just want to see you for a second. And then I want you to put it right back down. As the whole church is praying, eyes closed for privacy and concentration. If today you say, Alex, today I want Jesus. I want forgiveness. The Bible says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus, he is Lord, we will be saved. At the count of three, if that's you, raise your hand. One, two, three. Hands raised all over this place. Raise it up as high as you can. Can you just hold it up just for a few more seconds? I see you. 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 God bless 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 you. Awesome. Anybody else who raise your hands? Hands raised up all over the place. God bless you. Back there, more hands going up in the additional seating. We got people on back there as well and pastors they'll see you hands raised up everywhere amazing God thank you for all these hands God thank you for every person that's making a decision to put their faith in you I'm gonna say a simple prayer with eyes closed and head bowed I want all of us to repeat this prayer it's not my prayer that saves it's actually our faith in Jesus that saves us I'm gonna say a prayer and I want the whole church come on let's repeat this out loud let's repeat this strong we're gonna say it together as a family we're just gonna come around those who are making this decision today say father thank you for today thank you for this opportunity i admit that i'm a sinner 
and that my sin separates me from you Jesus thank you for salvation come into my life be my Lord and be my Savior I believe that you're the Son of God that you died for my sins and on the third day you rose again today I am saved I am healed and I'm forgiven in Jesus name amen amen and amen come on Calvary can we put our hands together come on can we make some noise can we celebrate come on we can live again come on